Greetings in the name of Jesus. Thank you for that devotional this morning. I just gotten an email this morning advertising a book that I don't recommend from an author from an author that I don't recommend. But the title was "A Faith That Works When Life Doesn't," <laughs> and that that's how it is sometimes, is it not? And that happens in various ways for us. Some of us have young and ideals, and we think we're going to actually make life work. And in the end, it didn't work the way we thought it does. Others really are in a turmoil and never can even make any sense in many different ways. Well, this morning, I'd like to have a message on prayer, praying always. Uh, started with some questions this morning in the first message, three questions, and I'm going to ask a few questions that people ask. So is there intelligent life out there somewhere? Somewhere outside this planet, we have a th- this planet with its thin atmospheric veil around it. Is there, um, is there a civilizations or is there, um, beings somewhere else that we don't know about? Maybe some civilization that's very different from us. Maybe vastly superior to us. It was in that Search uh, that question that in uh, in organization uh, SETI, I guess they pronounced that was born. The SETI, it's an acronym. S E T I, a search for extraterrestrial life. Oh, intelligence. <laughs> search for extraterrestrial intelligence. Jill Tarter, one of the original scientists of the at the SETI Institute says, says, discovering other life would help us calibrate who we are and where we fit in this very large cosmos. <laughs> in other words, we're not sure who we are, and we're not sure why we're here, but it would really help if we would have help from some other source. And so we search. We are explorers, says Frank Drake, one of the other um, original scientists. Say we are our explorers like Lewis and Clark went way beyond the known world and explored unknown territory. And it was dangerous and it was, it was uh, expensive, but in the end it was worth it. That's the argument they have. In, uh, in putting money into this search for extraterrestrial life. I don't know, but as I observe mainly from a casual observer of the exploration of Mars, 
a lot of the impetus behind it is the search for. They don't think there's any life on Mars, but they think there might have been, and they're searching for this. So the impetus behind these explorations, which are hugely expensive, is for life. Now, when SETI was lobbying Congress for money for its program to search for intelligence elsewhere, someone dryly made the remark that maybe we should start a program to see if there's intelligent life in Washington. <laughs> but these people are educated far beyond what we ever will be. And they make careers, they spend their lives in this, and they really seem to believe in it. What might they be missing? Would you tell them that there really is intelligent life beyond this physical world? That we already have received signals <laughs> from this life outside of us and that we can respond with communication and that it has been told who we are and why we're here. <laughs> we already have that um, dimension, that we already have that calibration. We can calibrate that already. I know that doesn't solve all the answers immediately, but it's very, very helpful to have a, a beginning. So it does seem, though, that secularists and materialists who believe there's nothing but matter exists that are the people that are the most interested in other life. It appears that way to me. Yet there is life outside our planet in another dimension, but it's outside the materialistic paradigm that they insist we that's all there is. It's outside of that. So this morning we'll be speaking on prayer. So why don't we just pause for a word of prayer. So Lord, you are our God. You are, uh, by, by your being and by your revelation, we, we are able to calibrate, Lord, who we are and why we're here. And Lord, not only can we calibrate who we are, but we have, you have told us who you are and that you have great love towards us, and that your purpose for us, Lord, is for our good. So, Lord, we thank you, and we just pray, Lord, this morning as we, as we have a little message on communication with you, that you would anoint us, anoint me, and bless us, Lord, with your presence and your understanding. Give us, Lord, the insight and the tools and the desire that we need to walk with you in a way that is very fruitful and very productive. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. You can turn to Ephesians chapter 6. We'll actually just look at one verse this morning. I'm going to read a few verses only. Ephesians chapter 6. Starting at verse 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. 
And for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. A little bit of context. These words that we just read here, and we'll just read, we'll just speak on verse 18 basically this morning on prayer. But these, these verses come in the context of an enemy who wants to destroy us, who studies to destroy us. And we are instructed to rely on our captain who is stronger than our enemy and put on all the armor that he has assigned and to keep it on. Uh, Werpsy's expository outlines this passage, and we're talking about the passage from verse 10 to, uh, to where we have just read here. He, he uh, puts verse 10 and 12 in this way, is the enemy we fight, that's the devil, verses 13 to 17, the equipment that we wear, and the verses this morning, the energy that we use. So I'll just give you a little bit of context here in the beginning. In verse 10, if you're still open there, it starts with, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. So it starts with a clear focus on the power and dependency on God. That's what this passage starts on. In fact, our, our entire life needs to be there. But this passage has that at the beginning, and then it concludes what we, what we read here. Praying always with all prayer and supplication. And, and these are like, like bookends. The entire thing in between about the devil and about the equipment and about the fight and all of those things on each end is this dependency on God. It keeps everything in the middle. True, true prayer always carries us back to God and puts God back into focus and puts God's purposes on the table. True prayer does that. I wish we could understand the, or grasp the full context of this verse of praying always. It's, you have to think, using a physical term, a, a wartime. Wartime is, war times are different than peace times. You know, we've not had war times in this country. I mean, I think the, probably the last time you really had war times was probably World War II. And even then, it wasn't as much here as it was in Europe. But war time is different than peace time. Or say, war time norms are different than peace time norms. That's really what I intended to say. Norm, we're talking about normal. War means rationing of common items. Because of a shortage, and the items that were rationed was uh, food items and tires and gas. War meant covering up your windows at night to not let the light escape so the enemy can't see where the population centers are. War means all energies and resources are channeled towards defense and also towards an ultimate victory. Everything gets channeled that direction. 
War brings stresses. It pushes people outside their comfort zone. It pushes people way outside their comfort zone. There's uncertainties that would not exist if it were not a conflict. War requires people to move. And then there's a hole left where they move from and others need to fill that gap in. And in the war, there are casualties, injury, there's death. And on and on and on. I'm only only getting the top, (laughs) brushing the top of wartime norms. But this, this verse is in the context of a war, of a major conflict. And if we don't see our lives in this context of war, then we let our guard down. We're talking about we have an enemy that studies us. We're talking about putting our armor down on and keeping it on. If we don't have a wartime mentality, we let our guard down. We relax. We lose our focus. And life becomes a walk in the park. Unless you're suffering, which always comes with life. But, or life becomes an adventure. Life becomes a pleasure trip. It becomes a joy ride, a me focus, because we've lost the context. There comes a splurging of precious supplies because we're in a war, but we're not conscious of it. And this is an application of Psalm, uh, Proverbs 19, uh, no, sorry, Proverbs 29, verse 18, where there is no vision, the people perish. And the people, if we don't really see the reality as it is, then we throw off restraint. We actually, as the NLT says, we, we go wild. <laughs> we, without a vision, without a understanding of the times, we just lose focus. We throw off restraint. We perish. So we are in a battle. That's the context. We are in a battle against the evil one and all his powers. So we put on the armor that's provided for us. We put on the armor. Now what do we do? Verse 18. Praying is how it's in the verse, but I'm going to use the word pray. So what do we do? Pray. Pray is a verb in this context. It's something we're told to do. So what is prayer? And to uh, to illustrate that, you can turn to Psalms 25. I, I'm drawn to Psalms also this morning when I think of prayer and think of thirst for God. Prayer, Strong says praying, uh, to pray to God in supplicate or worship. 
Prayer means a wish directed towards God. It is a turning of the soul to God. It is communion with God. And that's what David does here in Psalms 25. So we use this as a little illustration. If we think of prayer, unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. O my God, I trust in thee. Let not my let me not be ashamed. Let not mine enemies triumph over me. Yea, let none that wait on thee be ashamed. Let them be ashamed which transgress without cause. Show me thy ways, O Lord, teach me thy paths. Lead me in thy truth and teach me, for thou art the God of my salvation. On thee do I wait all the day. And we could go on. That's all the further I was planning to read this morning. I'd like to ask you the question here. Can you hear the worship in this psalm? The trust as he turns his soul to God? And then the earnest desire to please God and to go on and to go higher. David knew God. Yes, he did. And he prayed. He prayed to God. And and in this psalm and in many others, he actually encapsulates the essence of prayer. Jesus prayed. I'll read a verse, Mark one thirty-five. And in the morning, rising a great while before day, he went out and departed in a solitary place and there prayed. He did something of what David did. He, as a man on earth, lifted up his soul to his father in Communication. I, I'm trying to think. Now, how was Jesus' prayer be different? Did he worship his Father? I, no, he was God. I don't know how he did that, but uh, we worship. But there was this. They, they, there's this loving communication, and there is this. Uh, he, as a man, sensed his need, and he did that, and he went to his Father, and he talked to him. James 5.17, is there any among you afflicted? Is any among you suffering? James 5.13, is any among you afflicted? What do you do when you're suffering? Let him pray. Let him do what David did and lift up your soul to God. And is any merry, any happy, a good things happening? Well, you can sing. Then you can sing the psalm <laughs> to God. So the question is, do you pray? Do I pray? Do we come, when we pray, do we come with worship and trust and an earnest desire to please God and to grow and to go higher with God. There's a few 
few sayings here. Prayer is the moment we're talking about. Um, we're talking about extraterrestrial intelligence, right? We were talking about at the beginning. Prayer is the moment when heaven and earth kiss each other. <laughs> it's when communication happens with other life. Prayer is not bending the will of a reluctant God to our will. It is not getting a reluctant God to act, but is asking for his highest purpose. So, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. We have the armor on, and now pray. Pray always. I hope your prayer is a little brighter than this marker is. (laughs) How often do you pray, a woman was asked. She sat three times a day and all day besides. Pray without ceasing. Pray always. Pray without ceasing is an attitude of life. And doesn't that make sense? We've been instructed to put on our armor and to never take it off. Put on the armor, that breastplate, that helmet, that shield, keep it on. It would make sense that when you pray, you pray always, right? That would make sense. An attitude of prayer, a spirit of dependency for the rest of our life. There's a WhatsApp status I got this last week or so. I don't know who put it on. Maybe somebody here said, if you pray only when you are in trouble, you are in trouble. Another way, prayer is to be your steering wheel and not your spare tire. Pray always. Now, it's necessary to have specific times when we pray. David did. Jesus did. Jesus, in fact, told us that when you pray, when you pray, when you actually are going to go and pray, enter into your closet and pray to your Father in secret. So there are times you pray. And then there are also public prayers, there are family prayers, there's church prayers, there's prayer meetings. But then what about the rest of the time? The most well-known verse that comes to mind is the First uh, Thessalonians 1, 5, 17. You can all quote it. Pray without ceasing. But it's okay to ask, is it not? How can I do that? Is that even possible? Surely it can't mean I'm always talking to God. How would I ever talk to someone else? Are we to be in the spirit of prayer always? Well, I think that's a, that's a decent interpretation. If we're in the spirit of prayer, of dependency on God, and, and in that sense, if we would be in that spirit all the time, we would take care of a lot of the issues of life. If we're in that spirit, it would eliminate our selfish anger. 
it would eliminate our lust, it would eliminate our gluttony and our materialism, and maybe it would assist us in talking to others about the Lord. Because we can indulge in these things that go against God if we are in the spirit of prayer. So I can, I can accept that interpretation that you should be always in a disposition of prayer. However, there's another interpretation that I think is very practical, maybe even more so, is to always pray in every situation that arises. Every temptation, every conflict. Everything that happens to us, then we are to pray. And I'm talking about not stopping and praying, but responding in prayer. And Matthew Henry agrees with that. He says we must pray upon all occasions and as often as our own and others' necessities call us to it. We must always keep up a disposition of prayer and should intermix ejaculatory ejaculatory prayers with other duties and with common business. In other words, you're going about your duties, you're doing your business, your common business, and then come to those occasions where you just, just, just pray. So that is one interpretation, and it also can mean to pray and don't quit. There's actually a parallel passage to the, the verses that we had read here about praying always with all prayer and so on, and then and then Paul says, pray for me too. There's a parallel passage in Colossians chapter 4 that I'm going to read right now that has the same same theme as the verses we read this morning. And it's here. It says, continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. With all, praying also for us that God would open Unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I also am in bonds. So praying always can mean to continue in prayer. Don't quit praying about something or somebody. And uh, a verse that, uh, that Paul used himself about Timothy and he, he, he tells Timothy, he said, I thank God, whom I serve from my forefathers father with a pure conscience, that without ceasing, I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day. So when we think about praying always, we can think of without ceasing. How often do you pray for someone or something, and then stop. Why do we not, we quit. We do not continue in prayer for our missionaries, for our church, for our friends, for the lost, for our enemies, for power and strength, for victory, for wisdom. And so, pray always. Always be in a disposition of prayer. Always pray in every situation that arises. And don't quit 
praying. Pray always. And why, why should we quit, brothers and sisters? Because we are in a war. We are in a war personally. You know, we heard this morning about people quitting. We are in a war personally. Each one of us is in danger of quitting. And then there have a, a, post, uh, a corporate war. We have uh, enemies personally and corporately. And our marriages are under attack. Our families are. The churches are. We could say the government is. So we should stop, start praying and we shouldn't stop. We should pray, pray always. Restraining prayer, that means quitting. Restraining, here's a poem. Restraining prayer, we cease to fight. Prayer makes the Christian armor bright. So you have armor on? Prayer will make that bright. And Satan trembles when he sees the meanest saint upon his knees. Pray always. With all prayer and I don't have a spell checker here, so I'm going to do my own checking. Praying always with all prayer and supplication. All prayer, I don't know where I got this, but I found it somewhere. All prayer is the same in essence. In other words, it's communication to God. But it takes on different approaches, just like a conversation with a friend does. When you have a conversation with a friend, you're talking, but you're not always talking in the same way. It's not always about asking. Sometimes it's only interchange without any petition at all. Talking to God for the pleasure of communion. Sometimes it's a sharp, short cry for help like Peter's. Lord, save me when he was sinking. Sometimes it's merely the aspiration of the heart to God without a word. Sometimes a half-conscious sympathy of thought with God. Sometimes prayer is a formal public petition. Sometimes it's a struggle to climb over self to God. All prayer. Matthew Henry says, with all kinds of prayer, public, private, and secret, social and solitary, solemn and sudden, with all the parts of prayer, confession of sin, petition for mercy, and thanksgiving for favors received. There's another verse in First Timothy 2.1 that that Paul gives about different kinds of prayer. He says, I exhort, therefore, that, and he talk about prayer, first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. So prayer is all kinds of prayer. Jesus tells us, to refer to God as Father. 
Father is relational. You know, the idea of a father, and, and this, is, this is what happens when, uh, when you have a child growing up in a home with either an absent father or else maybe an angry or uh, neglectful or an abusive father, that their, their concept of God is so, it's, it's difficult. It's difficult for them to have that concept of God. But father, it, 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 that image, is, it's a loving, it's caring, it's relational, it's, it's one of strength. And it's one of wisdom. God is, and our Father is smart. Father is strong. And it's one of sustenance, because Father provides. It's one of vision. Father gives direction. All those things is what we talk about when we talk about praying to our Father. And a Father gives, and when we talk about our Father, and I think this is from Finney, we talk about our Father is the idea of closeness. When we talk about our Father in heaven, it's the idea of greatness. And so you have, when you're talking to Father, our God, he's, he's relational, he's close, and yet he's great. And then you think of worship. Our Father in heaven bring together the greatness of God and the closeness of God. So we should pray with all prayer, all different kinds of prayer as we talk to our Father. In Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, we are instructed to be careful or anxious about nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God which passes understanding shall keep or guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. There again you have a wartime metaphor because when, when we have all, all the issues that we have in life as we, as we uh, come to God in that supplication, We come to him, we're not anxious, but we bring it to him. Then his peace will guard us. <laughs> you know what, what distracts us or what troubles us in an evil world? You know, it's the trouble, it's the things we face, it's the anxieties, it's the troubles, it's the, the, uh, the sufferings that we talked about, heard about this morning. Those, those are things that, that can actually, and have many, many times, have taken people away from God. God tells us to take that to him. And when we lay our things over to him, he will guard our hearts. Because the enemy wants to actually get to our hearts. And so there's a guard there. And who will guard our hearts? The Lord will. Be strong in the power of his might. Pray always to him and, and give your prayers and, uh, with prayer and supplication to the Father. And he will guard us. And that prayer will keep that armor shiny.
Pray always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. How or when are you in the Spirit? (laughs) Is this something mystical? Is it something Pentecostal or charismatic or esoteric? What does it mean to pray in the Spirit? Interesting to know what some thoughts would be here. Is this some kind of a, a mode of being? That you are detached. This is actually a condition that is needed for true effective prayer. And let's change one word to help us understand. Okay. So I'm going to change. I'm going to read this. Pray always with all prayer and supplication in the flesh. How would that work? Do you understand maybe now what's going on? This is Roman eight this is Romans eight language. Walk after the spirit and not after the flesh. Pray in the spirit, do not pray in the flesh. You know, the flesh can be you know utter gutterful wretchedness of sin. You can you can really really identify flesh sometimes you can see it but flesh can be pretty polished up and pretty religious and pretty spiritual at times as well well the spirit it can be that way too we heard a little bit about the spirit this morning a spirit can be exuberant and excited and lively but and zealous But it's the spirit. Being in the spirit can also be calm with a quiet surrender and obedience. When we pray, we need to pray in the spirit. Our hearts need to be clear with God. Surrendered to God and not resistant to God. To be in the spirit, you need to have all your sins confessed and forsaken. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. That person is praying in the spirit. That was... Elijah in that case, oh, no, no, it wasn't. It wasn't the context of Elijah, but he says, uh, James just says that. He just says that righteous man, that man is in the spirit. That woman is in the spirit. So we need to, to pray in the spirit. We need to have our hearts clear with God. Then our desires need to be for God's purposes, not ours. James 4, 3 says, Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lusts. So there was prayer going on. There was requests made, but they were not answered because it was not in the spirit. It was not according to God's purposes. 
In, um, in Isaiah 59, verses 1 to 2, maybe this one actually should have been in the, in the last point uh, when we're talking about a righteous man. Actually, I, I actually got this turned around here. He said, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that he cannot save, it cannot save, neither is his ear heavy, that it cannot hear. There's no problem with God. He, he, he can hear. He has the strength and the power. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you, that he will not hear. And they're not in the spirit because of their sins. So to pray in the spirit, we need to have our hearts clear. Iniquity is forsaken. Or maybe he will hear us. He did. There was this case of Israel, and it's, it's recorded it's recorded in Psalms where it's recounting the history of Israel about their time in the wilderness. In Psalms 106, there's a few verses there talking about Israel. And, and it says, and they soon forgot his works. They waited not for his counsel, but lusted exceedingly in the wilderness and tempted God in the desert. And he gave them their request. God answered their prayer, but sent leanness into their soul. And that was a bad deal for them. They were not better off because God answered their prayer. Because they were not praying in the spirit. So we need to be praying in the spirit. Praying in the Spirit, we also need to pray in faith. That's another condition. We're talking about actually conditions of prayer. In the Spirit is actually a condition. Nothing else, nothing else matters if this one is left out. It, it's a condition. It's the gas in the car. Faith is another condition. But, and James, and I don't know, a lot of these uh, answers and non-answers in prayer come out of James. <laughs> the most, what some people say is the most law book in the Bible, in the New Testament, is just full of faith and spirit. James 1, 6 to 8, But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So praying in faith, trusting steadfast on God. And I know we can come to God and say, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. And that, that's a right place. That's a right thing to do. But we need to have steadfast confidence in God no no exit no second plan <clears throat> praying in the spirit tells us that there are conditions for successful prayer you know that pharisee that went to the temple to pray he said he prayed to himself father i thank you that i'm not like other men and i'm not like this poor guy and Jesus said that prayer did absolutely nothing. He went to his house unjustified. 
That was a fleshly prayer. The prodigal son is a good example of asking the father, his father, both in the flesh and in the spirit. He first asked his father, give me my inheritance. His father gave it, and then he left. And after a while, he changed. And he came back and said, you know, he thought of himself, you know, what did he say? Father, I have sinned against heaven against thee. I am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me one of thy hired servants. That was a prayer in the spirit (laughs) coming back. And uh, it was answered. It was a prayer that brought, brought blessing. Pray in the Spirit. Pray in His name, in His will, and not ours. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna read and watching. Okay. I'm gonna stop after this. Watching thereunto with all perseverance. Watch. Watch unto prayer. What are you doing when you are watching? Are all you watching this morning? I want to see you all. He's all watching. If you're watching, you're not asleep. Okay? When I'm watching, I'm not sleeping. But why am I not sleeping? Because there's duty and there's danger. I'm trying to think of some illustration. I thought of, okay, let's imagine you are walking down a city street. During the daytime, you might not be too concerned. But let's just imagine you were at the realtor's office and you had sold your property and the buyer had sold, had paid in cash. And so you have this suitcase with $400,000 in cash in it. And now you're walking through the streets of this city. Would that change anything? Were you on your way home, you stop at the volleyball game and throw your suitcase on the pile with the other Phones and wallets and stuff and play volleyball. And there's your suitcase. Maybe just stop at the park, take a nap. No, you're watching. Why are you watching? Why are you staying awake? Because there's something of value here. Clark says, be always on your guard, lest your enemy should surprise you. Watch, not only against evil, but also for opportunity to do good and for opportunities to receive good. Without watchfulness, Clark says, prayer and all the spiritual armor will be ineffective. So watching, actually watching is a common theme in scripture. Those who watch are prepared and equipped for temptation, and for the difficulties in life. And the best example that I found, and you want, I want you to turn there, um, is in Jesus versus his disciples in Mark 14. Mark 14, uh, 
verses 37 to 38. Jesus is in the garden, and he told his disciples to pray with him. And he went away a little bit. And then he, he was praying, and he came back, and he, and he cometh, and he cometh back to them, and findeth them sleeping. And saith unto Peter, Simon, sleepest thou? Couldest thou not watch one hour? Watch ye and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. The spirit truly is ready, but the flesh is weak. And here we have the contrast of Jesus was watching that night. He was persevering in prayer, watching unto all perseverance. Jesus was watching and he was persevering. You know, there was nothing that you could see that was being done. There was no, he was not doing any work. He was not doing any miracles. He was not healing anyone. He was not, um, he was outside the public eye. But there was a lot going on. He was watching. He was persevering. That battle for our souls was being fought. So Jesus watched, and he persevered, and the next day he walked through the most terrible day of his life with poise and grace. He did. That, that next day, that poise and grace, and, and to just go through there, was one the night before. Now, the disciples did not watch. They did not persevere. How was their day the next day? They had a very different day. And poise and grace and victory was not the words to describe their day. That Peter had boldness the evening before, but he did not watch and pray, and it was not, and he did not persevere and he he failed so when we talk about pray always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance it means to continue on in prayer watching not sleeping someone has said no one can live a right unless he prays right which do you prefer to be like Jesus or to be like his disciples follow the example of the one you want to be like and watching again is a wartime word in wartime there are guards and there's watching and there's there's, there has to be for defense. And then there, of course, also in, in, in contrast, if you're going to attack the enemy, you need to uh, understand it as well. But I hope to rivet this reality in each one of our hearts. 
being alert for something that had the power to destroy us and to destroy ours. So watching then implies action. When danger is detected because you're watching, then you will see it and then you can respond to it. The enemy must be repelled. Luke 21, verses 34 to 36. And take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and the cares of this life, so that that day come upon you unawares. For as a snare it shall come upon on all them that dwell on the face of the earth, the whole earth. Watch ye therefore, and pray always, that ye might be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass, and stand before the Son of Man. I think I actually missed a few verses there. Let me look here. It's in Luke 21. Unless it's another passage that I was thinking of. Yeah, it must be another passage. And what I say to all, I say watch. There must be another passage that, that uh, elaborates a little bit more on there. But the idea is, if we're not watching, there, there's, there's certain things coming. And if we're not watching, is what I mentioned earlier, our hearts will be overcharged. In other words, if you're not watchful, not careful, if you don't have a vision and other things will happen, becomes a walk in the park, and then then things will happen that you don't know of, and things that happen that you're not aware of, and you're actually snared. That's what the wording is there. Watching is staying awake, alert, and ready to respond with the appropriate action when called for. And with all perseverance, and I know we went through it again, but I just just think of um, Winston Churchill's, uh, one of his famous speeches, when he was talking to that those young people. He said, never give in. Never give in. Never, 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 never. In nothing. <laughs> That's supposedly the accurate rendering of it. But the point is with all perseverance. Watching in prayer with all perseverance. Don't give up. And the last point, point six, is praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Making supplication for all saints. Supplication, again, is that request to God. You know, there's, there are a lot of things we are not certain of. Are you certain what the weather is going to be like tomorrow? You got an idea? But we're not certain. You know what the price of oil is going to be next week? Or the price of milk next year. Or the price of flowers. 
We don't know who's going to be the next president. And we don't know where the next natural disaster is going to hit. Where or when or what. There's a lot of things we just don't know. But we know we can be sure and we can be certain of some things. We're going to face, we collectively are going to face the world and the flesh and the devil today and tomorrow. And we're all in this together. And if I make supplication to God for all saints, and you make supplication to God for all saints, somebody's going to be praying for me. And somebody's going to be praying for you. God's going to have my name come before him daily. And he's going to have your name come up before him. If we do what Paul tells us to do. God, guess who God is going to hear about today and tomorrow? He's going to hear about me. He's going to hear about you. Now, I don't know what you're going to tell God about me to him, but you tell him what you know, what I need. You tell him what I need, and I'll tell God what you need. Okay. <laughs> Sometimes we need to tell each other what we need, too. But praying, making supplication for all saints. And Paul immediately put himself, he applied himself immediately to it. He said, supplicate to God for me, for these things, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Now that is interesting. Paul, he was... He, Paul had a great command of language, and Paul, you know, he was um, he was the chief speaker, is what it says there in Acts. They called him Mercury. The, the heathen called him Mercury because he was the chief speaker. Now, um, there in Corinthians, it does say that that maybe um, he had some issues. He was in in presence, he was not really he was contemptible in his speech like that. But he must have had some oratory. Because he was in those heathen in Acts 17, and he was talking to those in those learned schools, and he could he could communicate to them. And yet he would want his friends to ask God the gift of utterance for him. And he talking about boldness. He's asking God to pray for boldness. But you know he was a very bold person. I mean, he even talked about himself. You know, he he said. You know, all the things he did. But he's still asking his friends to take him to God and ask him to bless him with boldness. <clears throat> so if Apostle Paul needed boldness, I think I'm missing a page here. Okay, and that's the over sooner. <laughs> I found it here. No, it's not. Okay, I think I missed it. Oh, there it is. Sorry. So if he knew, he knew as well to talk about as any man, and yet he desires, 
his friends to pray for him. And, and so whether you feel completely inadequate or whether you feel like you've been through this so many times you know how to do it, we still need to ask God to bless us. We need the prayers of those we love. We do. And Paul's example makes that clear to us also. So, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. That is God's instruction for us this morning. And I just thought I'd like to have a few, just see uh, one verse of that song that I I think it's not my favorite song, but it's a very beautiful song. He said, what a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Prayer discovers more of God, and that is the soul's greatest discovery. It is good for us to recognize that we are always in the presence of God. It is better for us to gaze on his face in prayer, and it is best for us to commune with him as with a friend. So if you can, why don't we just kneel for a time of prayer? Oh God, our Father, how great and awesome and mighty is your name, your presence, your heavens, your character, your holiness, your love, everything about you, Lord, is majestic and awesome and great, including your love and your care for us, Lord. Your salvation, the provisions you have given to us. Lord, we are people. We are the sheep of your pasture, as David says, that we are cared for even in the midst of our troubles and our trials and our sufferings and our questions of what to do next. In all that context, Lord, you are our Father, and you are worthy and you are able. Lord, you are stronger than our enemy, the devil. Lord, you provided armor for us. You have given us what we need. And Lord, now I pray. I pray for each one here, each one of us here, Lord. I pray, Lord, that we would be able to grasp what you have told us this morning in your word. I pray, Lord, that you would... uh, be a a part of our lives of praying and praying always and praying in the spirit and praying and watching and praying for our friends. Lord, I pray you would change us through prayer, through communication with you. I pray you'd change us. I pray you'd change our church. I pray you'd change our communities, Lord. 
And Lord, all for your kingdom and glory. And then, Lord, is any of us, Lord, who are here and wondering why it's so difficult and why it doesn't make sense, Lord. And I pray, help us to come to you. And rest. let it rest at your feet. Trust you. And find rest and peace for our souls. And strength and grace to go on. Lord, we're grateful. Thank you again. I pray you would bless each one of us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.